Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 38. It is the first week of April 2020. Technically, today, when we release this, is April Fool's. I promise you nothing that we talk about on the show today is going to be a joke. Um, And I will say this also about the first week in April. I've never said this in my life, but I'm so glad March is over. Uh, March was a disaster, and um, usually I love March, but uh, legitimately our entire world has changed since the last episode that we came to you. That whole week was a disaster. Um, The last time we got together and the week kind of shook down like this. It started with losing an hour when we moved the clocks forward. Then there was a full moon. Then we had the largest market crash in over 30 years with the stock market, followed up by canceling every single major sporting event on the planet And we finished that up by having Friday the 13th. So what an insane week. And I'll tell you this, like just to cap the whole thing off for me, I go home Friday the 13th after just a really long week of work, uh, speaking with and working with some just high stressed clients. And that's how we all are right now. So we're all on edge a little bit from this. And I had to go home and I turn on cars TV to kind of, chill out a little bit and guess what was on you know this was happening if you've if you've watched it the great national roadster show was on so just to put the whole week in perspective that's how that thing went it was absolutely infuriating um i will tell you we have a great show for you today though and i can't wait to have a couple guests on and get this thing rolling first of all we're gonna have alan firestone he was your division five uh 2019 top sportsman champion uh excited to have alan with us and then also is going to join us a good friend of mine lawrence Fanal. he is a certified car guy and he's a respiratory therapist so uh excited to have him on and kind of get a little uh, more understanding of all this stuff going on so i can't wait to have them on uh, so let's get to it get to doing whatever it is you do while you're listening to the show make your commute if you still do that anymore Uh, clean the shop work on the old heap but metaphorically speaking get your helmet on get strapped in because here we go All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And listen, I ranted a little bit last episode um, on drivers hanging out in the left lane. It was a little bit silly. uh, And truthfully, it was a little bit about what our world was three weeks ago. Um, We complained about minutia all the time in our lives because overall, things were pretty good. Or more to the point, we got the life we deserved. Uh, things have absolutely changed in the last 21 days. Uh, hopefully you were prepared for this in some way. The people um, that I had been reading had been preaching about this for a while, uh, but I was honestly hoping that uh, I was overly prepared for nothing. That was not the case. The issue besides uh, keeping you and your family safe is that there has never been a bigger financial meltdown like this since the Great Depression. And maybe it could be worse. I mean, truthfully, I think what the unemployment numbers may come out and tell us that the unemployment numbers are larger than they actually were during the Great uh, Depression. So, you know, I think you know um, by now that I am not a media type person that wants to tout disaster at every turn. What I'm saying is this. This is hitting every sector with a two-by-four to the head, and racing industry is not uh, going to be spared. It's, it's part of us. There is no place to hide, and every industry will be affected. We've never been in a situation like this where the entire world is worried about the same thing at the same time. This is going to get worse before it gets better, um, and for those of you that are in the market, 
hopefully you've done some really long-term uh, strategizing because we are a long way from being in the clear. Economically speaking, at a macroeconomic level, there are only two ways out of a financial devastation such as this from a country GDP standpoint. Um, first of all, there can be about five to seven years of depression uh, with step-by-step increments back to sustainability. Or there's option B, which is essentially hyperinflation, uh, which means hamburgers are going to cost us $200. And I, I'm overstating that a little bit, but maybe not. Um, at the microeconomic level, meaning what does this mean for you personally and your family, uh, the good news is that interest rates have never been lower in the history of time. Therefore, anything that uh, you owe on that can't be paid back in full for the next 18 months should be looked at to refinance at a lower uh, rate. Uh, you should all you'd be looking every corner to redo that. Um, cars, houses, commercial equipment, etc., all should be looked at from a financial standpoint. You probably can save yourself some money. Uh, additionally, those of you with liquidity will be able to buy assets cheap when those that are over leveraged need to dump any excess payments. So there will be opportunity in this. Um, friends, this is what I do every single day. It's what I've done for the past 20 years. And it's really what I enjoy doing if I can't be drag racing or competing in some shape or form. Um, so if you have any questions about or need help finding a reputable lender in any way, um, there and there are going to be some good and bad ones that rear their ugly heads over the next 24 to 36 months. And it has all to do the way they're set up. Um, I can help you with that. I'm happy to assist where and when, you know, you would need that. Um, and I would certainly do that offline. Um, but there are lots of programs out there to help uh, both on the consumer side and the corporate side. I mean, considering if you have a small business um, and are not sure which way to keep your, you know, how this thing is all going to work, um, as we navigate through the new world, there are plenty of SBA options that are being developed right now to assist you. Uh, I, I've explained it this way to some of my clients. If you're going to have a family trip and you all decide that you're going to Disney, then you've decided that's what you're going to do and everybody's happy about it. That's kind of what the government and the SBA have done to this point on the commercial side. They've agreed that we're going on this trip and yay, we're all excited about that because it will pump money into the system where people need it most. That being said, once you decide you're going to Disney for that trip, you still have to book the airline tickets. You have to book the hotels. You've got to pack. You've got to do whatever you do with your dog when you're on vacation. Those are the logistics of it, which the SBA has not figured out how to do just yet. Um, they are working on that. Hopefully next week we'll have much more clarity on that. But to be fair, there are lots and lots of options and I think good options for all of you out there, whether you own a business, whether you're working in a business, or whether you were on the front lines and got furloughed. There are uh, government assistance programs everywhere. So um, if I can help, I'm happy to do that. Uh, that's not really what I do. I don't do SBA loans every day. I don't do mortgage loans every day, but I'm happy to help where I can because I do have some industry insight on that. Um, and so just, you know, you know how to get a hold of me um, either through Facebook or Twitter or through the uh, email, which is fast brackets at outlook.com. Uh, but that said, economically speaking, this is going to be tough on a lot of us. Um, and everyone will be making sure their operations and their bank accounts um, are really tidied up so that we can stay afloat. Um, you know, if you don't have a very strong financial planner and, you know, somebody that you can really lean on to give you the hard truth moving forward, just reach out. I'm happy to help. Uh, but know that uh, we're all in this thing together. There are going to be some tough times, but I, I certainly believe that we are prepared and structuring things properly to come out on the right side of all this stuff. All right, let's put it in the beams presented by this is bracketracing.com. With us today was your NHRI, NHRA Division 5 2019 Top Sportsman Champion. He's also been a JEGS All-Star Rep. He finished number three 
uh, in the national points on top sportsmen. Welcome to the show, Alan Firestone. How are you today, Alan? I'm good. Hey, Glad thanks so much for there. thanks for much for coming on. Um, really excited to have you. And you had a fantastic season last year, uh, coming off winning the Division Five championship um, on the NHRA side. But if you don't mind, would you take us way back and uh, tell us how you got started in drag racing? Well, I mean, I, I was just a kid growing up in the 70s, I guess. It's kind of like when the muscle car went but I mean, I, I uh, always loved working on mechanic and on anything. But but uh, anyway, I, I loved working on cars, didn't have no money, but, but I mean, I built a, my first my dad bought me an old 51 Chevrolet pickup back when I was 15, 16 years old, and I kind of fixed it up and was driving it, and you kind of had to learn how to mechanic if you wanted to drive because it was breaking down all the time. But, <laughs> right. but anyway, I just kind of always loved cars, and he, he bracket raced a little bit, uh, and I'd help him work on his his car, and, and uh, of course, we were running in an old drag strip. In fact, it's still in business, Springer which is always more raceway now, but back then it was all just two lanes of blacktop and a little bit of guardrail and a lot of dirt, but we loved it. I mean, we went down there, I went down there with him, kind of kind of hooked on that, and I guess he bought my first car, what you would say, in 1980. I bought a, a Vega and had a little small block in it. Of course, I built the motor myself and just kind of learned how to, I don't think I raced, made it down the track a lot of times you know just learning how to build things and make it stay together and, but we got a lot of bracket racing back in the 80s early 80s uh, like I say we were spraying every Sunday whenever it opened and that was even back whenever we bracket we bracket raced with a pro tree of all things but, oh yeah okay uh, you know that before they come out with the delay boxes or any of that stuff i run a clutch with a five speed and a small block chevrolet and, and uh but anyway we've done that for for years like i say i think i went to my first super gas race it had just kind of got started and we finally kind of got a uh wanted to try out dabbling there a little bit i think i went to it in 84 we used to go to green valley back whenever green valley was big that was probably the biggest drag strip I'd ever been to in Fort Worth. They've done a lot of division races, and that was my first dabble in Super Gas. was probably 84, 85, somewhere in there. And, and uh, anyway, like I say, the old crunch kind of hit in the late 80s, and we raced a little bit, but like I say, life kind of gets in the way, and, and uh, we were trying to survive just like we are now. But, but um, anyway, and then in the early 90s, I still had the Vega. I never had sold it. And anyway, and I wound up buying a Beretta. And uh, at, the, at that time, I, I, I kind of run Super Comp and Super Gas. And uh run the Beretta and Super Comp and the Vega and Super Gas. But I run a very limited schedule. I mean, just whenever I trying to get away from all the other stuff, you know, we would go racing. And and uh, we'd done that for several years and never really started chasing in what you'd call a uh division races and probably till around 99 somewhere in there and we mainly in division four but i think it was around uh one of my first division race in 2000 in my beretta and super comp of all things but and then i won my first national those were the days when people were still running door cars in super comp right Yes, yes, and at that time, I mean, it was kind of a big deal. We won our first national in 2000 in the Beretta, and I think it's the first time a door card won in five years. I mean, it was a it was a pretty big deal running against them dragsters. But and at that time, I was just basically running by myself. I mean, I, my wife used to go with me and the kids, and we dragged them when we went bracket racing in the 80s, and and uh, we run. I mean, a lot of races down spring. Of course, it wasn't 30 minutes from the house, so we run down there a lot. And a open trailer and a and a blue tarp for a shade. I mean, that was about all you had. But you know, that's 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 where the way everybody was, and it was just fun being at the track and 
and I had some good friends from Paul Valley, Kirk Pipke and his family and we just that's that's just what we've done on the weekends and and uh but anyway and like i say in the in around 2000 we i kind of got to chasing i wanted to chase the division deal a little bit so i was basically just running by myself running two cars and i won my first division race like I say in scribner nebraska division five and uh won my first national in 2000 at topeka and then uh then we just, I mean, I kept kind of chasing it, but I, it seemed like at that time, of course, you know, we were busy and, and business always comes first. And I did good at the first of the year. And then things would start getting, picking up at the, around the house or at the yard or whatever. And I, I just kind of lose. I never could put a full year together. You know what I mean? I mean, it well, and I think, kind of getting away. yeah, and that, I think that's something to, um, I know, but I want to make sure our, uh, listeners know. I mean, you're you're live in Oklahoma. Um, you work in the oil business, so you you know you mentioned that uh, sometimes you know when the oil prices go up, they go down. Uh, all that stuff affects your industry, and you know right now you're dealing with some new stuff again. But but you mentioned that you know the life gets in the way, and it certainly businesses do and things like that. Um, so all that stuff kept you kept you really busy during that time, right? Exactly, exactly. And like I say, I I love drag racing, and I mean, I just love being at the track. I love being around, you know, the people at the track, and and just kind of getting away myself, you know. And and uh, I just I've just always loved drag racing. I've always loved NHRA drag racing, and and uh, uh, if if I had time, if I if I wanted to do it, I. I I went. If I needed to stay home, I stayed home. You know, right, I mean, I right. didn't really. It wasn't a have-to deal. Yep. No, that so, makes sense. And, yeah, but anyway. So but, you've done it for a long time. Um, oh and, yeah, I've been racing a long time. And when did you make the change then to top sportsman? I think it was around 2004, I believe, whenever NHRA started top sportsman, and I was kind of burnt out on the super gas super comp deal i mean i uh I, I liked it i mean i and 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 had some success success with it but but like i say i wanted to jump in this top sportsman deal and do a qualified deal kind of you know see how fast you could run uh type of deal and, and i at first i had at that time i was running like a 565 and and so i I changed it over. I put some nitrous on it. Never had dealt with nitrous whatsoever. I mean, I talked to a few guys, and they kind of told me what I needed to do and and how to do it. And, and of course, you know, everything I do, I always do it the hard way. I just <laughs> jump in there and do it. And, you know, and it takes right. just took me four or five years to learn how to not blow stuff up, you know. But, but I mean, I've, I've had a lot of friends that, that knew some stuff about it and 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 helped me and of course you know i couldn't buy all the good stuff but i run that 565 and then at that time richard freeman was wholesaling cars this was before the elite deal and all that kind of stuff and me and richard had always been friends and him and royce both i mean they're they were quite a bit younger than me but but always richard was always just a workhorse deluxe i mean he could sell anything and worked at it and and anyway he had kind of got the wholesaling well this was like the year after pro stock truck had shut down uh yep. and greg stanfield well i think it was bart i can't remember his name the one that owned greg's truck but but anyway this truck i thought i didn't think the Beretta was going to be good enough of course at that time we was running like 770s you know and then and thought we had a rocket ship but i thought it should have been a little faster than that but you know the old Beretta i had wasn't a, uh it was kind of a home-built car it just wasn't nothing you know engineered at all and and richard had traded for this s10 pro stock truck that greg had set the I think the year before it was set the miles prior record and, and Greg had done good in the truck. But anyway, they'd shut it down and he wound up with this truck. Well, me and Richard made a deal and I got the opportunity to buy this truck. So anyway, I put that 
that motor and then we started running top sportsman and i mean i just i just loved everything about top sportsman i, I think i had more fun qualifying than i did right i mean racing i mean it was just you know that deal you work on it all week and take it to the track and see what you learned and i just love that kind of stuff right. you know and, yeah. and so we got to doing that and you know slowly kind of learned how not to we could step on it but then we terrace you know we's just blowing stuff up i want we stepped on it too hard and and anyway it just took me three or four years to to get a handle on how to put a setup in it that would stay together and not blow it up and and uh, of course we 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 burn up a lot of pistons and this and that you know getting to that point but but i did learn how to get a setup in it that would live and and I think we won our first division race in Top Sportsman in 2007. Okay. At Houston with a pro stock truck. And at that time, they were running a quick, we'd run a quick four deal while we were at the division races a lot of times in division four. And, and at that time, division four was really fast in Top Sportsman. I mean, there was division two was fast, but division four was kind of where division three is now. You know, I gotcha. mean, we were. Everybody there was 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 pretty fast, and and uh, anyway, the, anyway that weekend that, that we won that division, we won the quick four deal. I think at that time we were running like six sixty five in that pro stock truck, and and it was it was it was pretty it was pretty fast. Earl Foss, I think I outrun him in the final in the quick four deal, and he always told me he said, yeah, he said I just couldn't get believe that he got outrun by a tow truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so after that, I named the truck Mater. That was after college had come out. And oh, I yeah. Mater on it. And anyway, we had a lot of fun with that. But I just I just learned everything about top sportsmen as far as the qualifying and, the, you know, going around. I mean, that was that was a bonus. But I just love being at the track. I love the atmosphere, the qualifying, and see where you can wind up and, you know, be a qualified field. I just... I like it. I just, I love everything about it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I am the same way, and and many of us out there are. Uh, but you, you're not running that truck anymore. Um, you've got well, a new new ride now. Tell us about that. Tell us what you won the championship in. That was that, that car. I had Rick Jones uh, built that car for me, brand new, which I I think. The world, Rick and and Ricky both, and and they build quality stuff, and probably the nicest you know that there is and anyway they built that car for me and i think in 13 which i think i brought it out in 14 but uh and it's a camaro right so it's a it's a a camaro 2013 camaro it's a two was at that time it was a 2013 camaro okay and uh richard and them at that of course they had already done the late deal and they were building motors and they were you know doing all the pro stock stuff and and anyway they were Richard had come up with, uh, he was wanting to build a 900, at that time, some guy, I think somebody had ordered some 900-inch stuff from from CFE, from Carl, and, and he had a 900, a 5.3 block, and a set of heads, and uh, anyway, so I made a deal with Richard, and, and but I didn't want to build a 900-inch motor, because I don't, I, I, I'm more of a life kind of guy i like to run like 75 runs i don't want to run change rods in for 30 runs and all that stuff so we put a shorter crankshaft in it maybe 754 out of it and uh we built that motor uh in 2013 and we put it in that car and uh anyway the first run of course there have been a lot of people that would had talked to me about how fast i wanted to go and at that time, I was running the truck, and and I was running six sixties at like two hundred five or two hundred six. But that truck was so light at the finish line that I mean, whenever you pulled the parachutes, it was really kind of scary. But I didn't know that. I mean, I just knew that it was a pretty good handful down at the finish line. And they want me a couple of guys to talk to me about running pro mod, and I said, "Boy, I just don't know if I want to go any faster than what I'm doing right now." I mean, I love this class, and I don't really want to do any faster than so. We built this car. Rick built this car. We put it all together, and we go to to Tulsa. We're going to go to Charlotte for the full wide. And we go to Tulsa, and the first hit, 
I go out there, and anyway, we'd make a hit in it. Well, whenever I crossed the finish line, I was like, well, man, that felt pretty good. I've ever run a 705, maybe 198. Well, anyway, they they come on radio talking about running 665 at like 219. <laughs> and I was like, my gosh, you know, I just didn't realize how loose that truck was because this thing, this Camaro was like driving my super gas Beretta. I mean, it was at the finish line. It was just solid. You so know? you're telling so, me that the Camaro uh, drove differently than the oh, tow truck? I mean, it, yes, it's night and day. I mean, the Camaro just, it's just, it's just so stuck. I mean, it's, it's 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 just unbelievable the difference. So anyway, so but uh, but no, it's a really nice car. Like I say, we redone it in two thousand sixteen. I took it to Rick and we we changed the tail lights and the hood, front end, and everything. I made a two thousand sixteen out of it, and uh, that's what I'm running now. But yeah, I really, I never thought that I was not like that. I would love it as much as I did the truck because the truck I could unload it and I could pretty much tell you what it was going to run but this car I, after we kind of got our handle on on everything with it took two or three years you know to get used to a car or does me anyway but but now then it's a I wouldn't change anything about it yeah it's a beautiful piece I've I've had a chance to to look at it up um in person and it is a gorgeous piece and uh, no no uh, mystery there why you like that dude man there's no mystery yeah. with that thing so it's it's the 754 and how much are you spraying with it when you when uh, throw it in there? usually we just spray one hit i mean it'll run 650s just all day long with one with one uh, one one hit we'll, we'll turn the second it's got three kits on it but i've never turned the third one on you know my my uh, engine builder at Patterson Elite, uh, Corey, he's worked on his motor ever since Jake and them all put it all together. But anyway, he's the one that does the maintenance on it. He's all the time telling me, you know, don't turn that third one on unless you just have to. So I never have. I mean, we can turn the second hit on and it'll run. You know, I think the car's went as fast as 632 and it's probably got some more left in it. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just not going to push it. I mean, I, you know, I'm. I'm more about uh, uh, we run a 75, 80 runs, and we change the rods in it. We might change one piston that closed the ring gap or something, but never had a major issue with the motor since 2014. So I'm not going to change any of that. Well, for now, 630s get you in every event you want to show up for, yeah. right? But uh, <laughs> that that bump spot keeps coming down every – keeps coming down. Man. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. The pro charger deal has made a, it, made a heck of a difference in everything. But, you know, but they're having the same trouble everybody. You know, it's just, when you start running that fast, it's just hard to make everything live, you know, to right. where, because we are bracket racing. I mean, regardless of, it is a very fast bracket racing. And, and I think the motors are holding up good. It's just the stuff that kind of comes loose and goes through the motor, I think, is where they're having a little trouble. But, but I love my setup. I don't. I, I'm kind of old school. I don't like the. Maybe I just ain't smart enough, or I'm too hard headed. But I don't. I don't. I like the carburetors. I like the nitrous, and I know that. So that's 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 where I'm going to stay. Yeah, go with what works. That's what I say. Yes. Yeah. Now that that makes sense. Well, um, tell us a little bit about how your uh, 2019 season went. Like, uh, just walk us through that briefly. How. How that whole season went? I mean, it ultimately worked out for you, but uh, was there a point in time when you thought things could go the other way, or was there a definite day when you thought, "Hey, I got a chance at this thing"? Yeah, you know, I mean, we started in Gainesville at the first of the year, and and we went down there, and and uh, like I said, I think I went to third round at the division race, which you know, I was, I was really just chasing division championship. I finished second, like three. Or four Two or three times, I, I don't remember exactly how many times that I finished second, but I just never could get over the hump. But anyway, we finished second year before last. And anyway, so we went to game one. I think I went to third round at the division, and then I ran into Sandy at the, at the national second round, and he busted me on that deal. So uh, then we left from there, and we went to Dallas. 
and I made it down to five cars at Dallas. So my division deal was looking good. Of course, that would have been my out of the division races. And uh, so then we left from there, and we went to Topeka, which was the first division race, and I think I made it to the semis one weekend, one race, and then I think I got beat, like, second round at the second race. But, I mean, I'm still pretty good. I don't, I've, I've, I'm not leading it, but, you know, well, no, Tom Patterson might have been leading at that time. But I was still look, looking pretty good. And then we go to Brainerd. And I won Brainerd. And whenever I won Brainerd, I thought, you know, well, I've got a chance, you know, to to do to do good here you know as far as the division i'm still just thinking division right and uh so then we left brainerd and uh in fact we were at brainerd and tom patterson and of course he was leading at the time and he came over and he's already congratulating me and i said man tom we got a lot of races i yeah that you're driving good he said the car's been good he said you're gonna you got it and of course you know i just kind of laughed it off and and uh so then anyway we go to earlville and of course it rained it out but we were down to third round at earlville and we finished it up in great bend well i had dusty meyer in the third round and at that time i had kind of started calculating thought where we were at and what my i wanted to win i wanted to do good at the division but it's always been you know man sets gold in his life you know i, I always wanted to finish win the division i've always wanted to finish in the top 10 and i've always wanted to qualify for the all-stars i think that's just the greatest thing you know the event that you could go to but anyway and i had a chance i thought that if i if i got by dusty at great bend that there was a chance that i could you know i would be sitting in pretty good shape with with uh Division plus the All-Stars, you know, of course, you know, there was still some more division races to be done. And at that time, Larry was really starting to do good, Larry Demers. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good friend of mine. In fact, we, we all raced together, you know, us and Dusty. And, but the, the race at Great Bend against Dusty was probably the, that was, that was probably the biggest race that I'd run uh, at that time in the, in the year. And I wound up, got lucky against Dusty because it was a really close race. And then wound up, I think I run, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name, but he's got the Camaro. But anyway, I ran him in the final, and I wound up winning Earlville, too. So that yep. was two division races that I'd won. Then I started thinking, because I'd moved into the top ten, and, and in fact, I probably even moved up to like, I don't remember third or the second or third because Kremlin, Kremlin had been in the lead for so long and I didn't right. think anybody would touch him. But Sandy was doing good too at that time. And and after we won Earlville, then everybody, you know, they, we started talking. I had one more national that I could go to and possibility of, you know, I mean, I, I was just trying to, I was really at that time, I was just trying to make, trying to solidify my top 10 and hopefully hang on to the division and qualify for the All-Stars. So then we left from Great Bend and we went to St. Louis to the National and I wound up running up there to Mark McDonald, which at that time put me in the lead, which I knew wasn't going to stand because, I mean, you got guys like Doug and and Sandy that's right there, you know, and there was there was a couple more that could have passed us too. But I right. I knew I was gonna finish in the top ten and that was a big deal for, you know, somebody's running this thing for as many years as I have. But but uh, anyway, we were really excited and we wound up hanging on to number three and qualified for the all stars and won the division and man, everybody's just been, you know, for an old bullfield hand like me to do that. I mean, I, it was just life changing, really. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, something that I'd always wanted to do, and, and very, very gratifying. You know, so anyway, and then we, like I said, went to the division banquet, and everybody was just 
you know, was just great. Got driver of the year and sportsman deal. You know, I mean, it was, and that's a, that's a honor, honor deal for me because I mean that's your peers voting on you on that deal. So it was just a fantastic year, and I mean I don't know how you could top it, but but uh, you know we were. That's what we really wanted to do this year was just you know at least run and and uh, you know. I'm, yeah, just as good. Right. Know? Now you you had a fantastic year. I mean, incredible in a, in a lot of different ways and uh really appreciate you coming on and and walking us through that and telling us your story and how you had that fantastic year. It's re- it's really impressive and uh we'll we will be rooting you on for for this year whenever we get a chance to unload these things again. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll just, you know, I hope everybody stays safe and you know, that's the biggest deal right now. I mean, we can do this racing whatever, but, but, you know, we're just trying to take care of each other right now. That's the big deal. That's right. Yep. Alan, appreciate you coming on. Guys, girls, that was your Division Five Top Sportsman Champion, Alan Firestone. Today's Half-Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. And let's start with the last event that has been on the calendar. That was the NHRA Gator Nationals in Gainesville. Of course, that was cut short on March 13th. There were no pros. They did allow the quote-unquote sportsmen to run. Um, I'm going to make the argument that uh, if NHRA is really, really smart, they will add top sportsmen and top dragster to the pro side of things. But uh, let's let's leave that conversation for a later date and uh, give you some results, which uh, on the top sportsman side, there were 29 cars that showed up. Um, It was a nice field. There were 17 of those cars were in the sixes. Your number one qualifier, you heard him here um, last episode, Sandy Wilkins. He was, uh, he goes 643 with a six at 214 miles an hour to be your top qualifier there. And then, um, and then go ahead and Sandy, just uh, keep it rolling from last year as the national event winner. He goes ahead and wins Gainesville in the final. Um, he runs Ron Regal. Ron was dead on too, and was truthfully deadly all day long. That car was uh, perfect, um, but he was just a little bit late, and that gave Sandy too much room to get inside of. So, congrats to Sandy Wilkins. Your um, 2019 world champ for starting off this season right in Gainesville on the top dragster side there were 36 cars that bump spot was a really respectable 668 your number one qualifier was Anthony Bertozzi Um, he goes 610 with a three man right on it there but in the final uh, Anthony Bertozzi could not hang on over Ross Larice. Ross was incredible he was 13 dead four for a 17 pack in the final which mathematically eliminated a b so congrats to ross larice for his third national event wally outside of that ladies and gentlemen uh there was not much the nhra division two event was postponed like every single other racing event and athletic event on the planet um Usually what I would do is I would tell you that I have more race results next week, but that simply is not the case. NHRA and other series are canceled through almost June at this point. NHRA has said they are tentatively starting up on June 5th, and uh, everyone else is kind of scrambling to reset their calendar. So next week what we'll do is we'll update you on the changes made to the calendar and um, hopefully at that point we have a little more clarity on when we will get back at it and racing. So in the meantime, hang in there and stay safe. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. And uh, we're, today we're going to get way out of the groove. As you know, longtime listeners, typically out of the groove segment is someone that is a drag racer but not necessarily in our classes. And today we're going to get just a little bit outside of that, and we're going to bring on my friend who uh, I've known for 25-plus years and on the surface is an unlikely uh, friendship. Um, My man is 
five foot eight inches tall. He's uh, of Filipino descent. I, of course, am six four, um, a white dude, Miss Midwesterner type guy. But we have long since been friends because we're just car guys. And uh, so let me bring him on right now, Lawrence Fanal. Lawrence, how are you today, my man? Hey, Rex, how's it going? Good to talk to you, bud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Excellent. I I wanted to have you on because you have an interesting story and you and I have known each other a long time and we, you know, by all accounts uh, necessarily wouldn't be best friends or anything like that. And yet we've really bonded over cars and um, we've had a good time and you are in the healthcare industry right now. And so it's exciting times for you for sure. Um, But I, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, Tell me a little bit about how you got interested in cars to begin with. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, um, first, I want to thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor for me to, to be on your show. And, uh, you, know, you know, like you said, we we go kind of way back, um, back in the uh, day when you were playing basketball. Uh, I'd always come and watch watch you play. You were you were awesome, awesome to watch. The team was great. Um, you had quite a, quite a bit. Um, so thanks for having me on and, and it was sort of, that's sort of how we kind of started. But, um, in, in that respect, then it wasn't until later on that we figured out we've got the same interest in cars. And I think the similarity is, you know, you spent a lot of time with your dad, uh, talking about, um, wrenching with him and working on his cars. My story is a little different. My dad grew up in the Philippines and, uh, you know, he didn't have any cars. They, they kind of grew up, uh, kind of poor, you know, they, when he was growing up, it was whoever woke up first, got the shoes in the house. There was one pair of shoes in the house. Yeah. You <laughs> said, woke- you said kind of poor. And then you followed <laughs> that up with saying the family had one set of shoes to wear. <laughs> so let's, let's not gloss that over. <laughs> Yeah, they, you know, whoever woke up first, that you know, you 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 got the shoes and you you they would stuff it with like cardboard inside for the insoles, and then like newspaper uh, in order to make it fit right. And so you were you were the winner for the day. Everyone else was running around barefoot. You know, it's that's just the way it was. But um, and and it may have been a uh, story where he was saying, you know, he'd walk. Um, you would have to walk to school. You know, it's always, you, you know, your dad probably told you, you had to walk in snow uphill both ways to school. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this was more along the lines of he had to walk in the rain because um, in the Philippines there wasn't snow, but it was raining all the time, and he might stand and wait for a, a jeepney um, to ride on. You know who these jeepneys are? I'm um, vaguely aware. You're going to have to describe it for me. Kind of like this. Uh, it's like an old CJ-7. It was a troop carrier back in World War II, and they um, converted them into um, uh, personnel carriers or from personal carriers to um, kind of these mini school buses, open top, and they would just pack them. It's crowded, you know. And so um, they'd use that to uh, get to where they wanted to go. And all, while his friends were driving around in their uh, shiny new cars, you know, he thought, I got to change this. He, he said, I'm, I'm going to school. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to go to the, uh, the United States and get a job where I can pick out any car that I want. And so from then on, when I was growing up, all I knew, he was reading through car magazines and consumer reports. And he would, uh, you know, would be able to point out any vehicle on the road. He'd be able to name the specs down, you know, uh, <laughs> down to the very last. And that sort of carried on. Uh, to me, you know, um, so when I'm driving down the road with my family now, um, I, you know, say something like, hey, there's a there's an Xterra or a C7 Stingray. And check it out. You know, there's a Jeep And my family. You know, um, they would look they would turn and look right away and say, uh, why did you make me look at that? You know, they <laughs> <laughs> Think of it so much because I talk about cars so much. Because uh, it's in us, Lawrence. That's why it's just in us, and it's it, part it, of who we are. That's right. That's right. So it's a lot of fun. Now, my 
I've taken my boys and my my kids down to the track um, to Lucas Oil uh, a few times to watch you race. And man, I tell you what, that's a lot of good family fun right there. It it really is. Um, and uh, let me let me not gloss over this because uh, I I don't want to get away from this. There's a real car culture in the Philippines, is there not? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, there. Uh, we were just there last uh, uh, last summer, um, and um, I mean the the traffic is horrible. So they're all driving all these. Uh, there's a lot of midsize uh, vehicles that are running around. Um, but there, um, there is a love of cars there. Um, and it's stems from, it's all motorized, even small engine type things like mopeds with sidecars and, and, uh, uh, from everything from that to, you know, uh, to your high end, uh, high end vehicles. Um, but, and a lot of it is they're, they're all modifying it. They're not left stock. They modify everything, which I know you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. It's thing, a disease. Thing it's a disease, Lawrence. You just can't leave anything alone. you got to make it faster. You have to make it uh, better in some way. So, yeah, I, I can totally relate. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and like you said, they've got everything is uh, – they're modifying all their cars, all their vehicles, all that stuff, which is really, really interesting to me And because uh, I laugh now because I think – you know, if um, there's if the air conditioning doesn't work uh, on my car, then I'm losing my mind right now. You know, if I if I can't drive it 500 miles in one direction with right. uh, everything, you know, being uh, 72 degrees and and perfect on the inside, then I'm I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? Uh, meanwhile, right. you know, there are people out there that are uh, just trying to make their their little thing allow them to get to their work and back, you know, which, uh, is really, really interesting stuff. And your your guys, yeah, you're, and you, I, we should say this. So yeah. Um, you've brought your guys out. Um, you have two boys and, uh, they're, um, they've been out to the track and they, they really love it, but what have they gotten into now? Have they gotten into something as well? Racing wise? You know what? They're, they, they're pretty competitive and, um, they, uh, they do love to race. They love racing and they love basketball, all kinds of sports, uh, to be honest. And, and, uh, and the racing they've been doing is on foot. There's, you know, they're still <laughs> grade school kids, Oh yeah. Um, but they're, um, they're, uh, we're, we're in cross country and, um, you know, they place every time. Um, and just recently I've, you know, sort of been introducing them, uh, to, uh, to our, to our, my, our culture. We've, been uh we've got to get this old uh cherokee that i've been tooling on and they are not sure why i'm out there all the time underneath it or uh, uh just modifying it and they're coming around now because my oldest is getting close to being able to drive and so uh we you know i'll let them drive around in the backyard and and <laughs> that kind of thing the way our uh, folks used to do yeah because your toy right now is that Cherokee, right? That you off-road, you take it, you take it and try to get it stuck and unstuck and all that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, this, it's this locked XJ that, um, you know, put a winch on and, uh, lift on and, and whatnot, but it sort of stems from, I used to drive, uh, you know, a little sports car. And when I started dating, uh, my now wife, she lived out in the country. She was, she's a farm girl. And uh, driving that thing out there, and I remember it, when it snowed heavy, I was stuck. I would never, I could <laughs> get out there or back. But I need a four-wheel drive, so that's sort of how that stemmed. And uh, co- my college buddies were engin- engineers; they were all in the jeeping, and so that's sort of the culture I, I kind of jumped into as well. I was I was thinking about you the other day because we've been on this uh, you know social distancing quarantine stuff and I stumbled upon this show called Alaskan Off Road Warriors. Um, oh, yeah, is it on? I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon, but essentially, uh, for our listeners out there, this thing is yeah. like it's like a combination of Drag Week and Cannonball Run. These guys take these jeeps and uh, Cherokees and stuff, and they run them across the state of alaska on trails and stuff over 18 days like it's amazing and i was so fired up and i was like that is right up lawrence's alley 
modified off-road trucks going as fast as you can until something breaks or you make it to the finishing line. I mean, it's 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 pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, it really is, and um, it, it makes us all just, like, itch to get out there as well. Now, I guess uh, in the middle of Alaska, you're probably as social distance as anybody's ever been. But uh, <laughs> Hey, we should make a road trip out there, you know, sometime. You and me, we'll, we'll go out <laughs> get out as we can from this thing. Do not tease me with a good time. You know that. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. My uh, One of my favorite commercials, that, that kind of reminds me of, uh, there was a pickup truck and like a Lotus Elite, uh, Lotus Esprit or something, ra- they were lined up uh, to race each other, and they were they were they were dragging the tree dropped, and they both took off, and of course the Lotus took off and was in the lead up until uh, the the road changed, right? <laughs> right. Moguls and mud bogs, and and of course you know can't go <laughs> very much further in the Lotus, but in that uh, I think it was like a Tundra or something. It just kept on going, and uh, that sort of uh, kind of cracked me up. What do you, What are you doing next to your uh, your your truck? What do you What do you got to do next to it? I know you already got a project going. Uh, you know what? I'm always doing something. It, it's going to need another teardown, and uh, we're going to put a roll cage in that thing and some rock sliders, more metal on this thing. <laughs> right. Protect- <laughs> cage it up and and uh and see how 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 fast we can get it to go um but sometimes speed you know it, it's different with off-road you're, you're trying to um, go as slow as as slow as you can uh, uh you know as, right. as fast as possible uh or as fast as necessary i guess they say yeah um, no that uh that makes sense um and and certainly you got plenty of time to do it now since man. there's all this free time that's what i've been doing (laughs) well and to be fair to all our listeners my my original thought of inviting lawrence on the show was uh, certainly to talk um you know a little bit about uh the car um, history that we have together and your project and all that stuff but but what you do for a living and have done for a living for 20 plus years is is a respiratory therapist is that correct that's right that's right yep and and you work for a major hospital here in Indianapolis, and certainly your um, profession, you know, your your niche of the world is getting a lot of attention right now because the coronavirus is attacking the respiratory systems. At least that's the way I understand it. And so you're getting a lot of attention. And I originally had brought you, invited you on the show to talk yeah. about all that stuff and what we've found here. Uh, lately, it, and is, it makes perfect sense, is the hospitals have asked all their employees not to speak about it um, right. st- from the standpoint that uh, the message needs to be from one person, right? And that means needs to be from the hospital spokesperson or from the governor or from the president or whoever it might be. And uh, they they don't want you and I talking about it because for whatever reason, which I, I hate um, because I know you to be a very smart guy and could really help our listeners. But uh, in the name of not getting you fired, uh, I'm going to retract all my questions that I had about the coronavirus. That, that's fair. I, I you know, could talk about it for hours on end. There's a lot of information out there. But I, I do know, you know it, it requires you and everyone to be physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually fit uh, during this time. And, and uh, uh, you know, we're, we're going to um, we're going to we're going to be able to make it through this. You know, they'll get the testing, they'll get the kits. They'll isolate the virus, and they're going to beat this thing. So, and we're going to beat this thing. We're Americans, right? That's right. That's right. We, we always do. Yep. We we, we always do. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess you know, if you want something comforting and and entertaining um, to do in the meantime, you know, you can always go back and listen to the first the Fast Brackets podcast <laughs> anytime <laughs> and get that escape. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. That's well, exactly right. It. Now we, um, you know me, I always appreciate the shameless self promotion. So nicely done. You you kind of yeah. stole my job right there. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you certainly have been a relief to me. And and 
it, it, I appreciate you doing what you do um, and and uh, having me on. So yeah, no, appreciate you coming on, Lawrence. Um, best of luck uh, with you and uh, and that rock climber you got going, and uh, good luck with the boys. Please infect them with the car virus that you and I already have, oh, yeah. um, oh, and yeah. uh, you know, as you are battling on the front lines, stay safe, my man. I will, Rex. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, it's good talking to you. That was the great Lawrence Fanal. If you need him, all right. As we hit the mile per hour cone today, let's continue our conversation about the coronavirus and how it will affect us. Of course, uh, we just we have to talk about this because it absolutely is affecting us. We are simply a different world than we were a couple weeks ago. And certain things are going to have to change. Um, and and first of all, I would say this, um, for, for our sport, it may change us in a good way. Um, you know, first of all, maybe the climate change people will have a little less to say about us. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that in a big way in a few episodes, uh, but not today. Uh, but also what I would say is, and I think potentially drag racing will be somewhat insulated from the big pullback and at least from a fan perspective. And here's why. First of all, it's an outdoor sport. So being outside seems to help. Uh, The sun doesn't necessarily stop that virus is what we're being told, but vitamin D in you does. And that's how humans get vitamin D is through the sun. So that helps our immune system. So that helps. Uh, Certainly there is, is a crowd we have lots of space at a drag strip so we can move people away from each other a little bit it would be easy for us to move fans uh, away from each other just a little bit give each other some distance that way that would certainly be something we could easily do at a drag strip and you know unless you're at the starting line of a no prep race there is plenty of opportunity to keep a safe social distance from the other spectators. So that's all good. Um, also, with the increased live stream coverage, people will be able to see and will want to see more drag racing online than ever. So I think potentially drag racing is going to be somewhat insulated and maybe we can turn this thing to our advantage ultimately long term. Uh, but it does make me curious. And so I'm looking for some of your input on this before I give you. Uh, my thoughts. But first of all, what do you think that racetracks and promoters will have to do differently moving forward in our new environment? And this is not a bash the track operator thought. This is not a bash the race promoter thought. This is if you owned a track or if you were a race promoter, what would you do different this year uh, and beyond to keep everyone safe? or to increase the fan involvement and make the sport better in the process. I have a very clear thought in my head about how to turn this into a huge positive for the sport with relatively little investment. But before I give you that, I want to hear your thoughts on it also. So please hit me up on the Facebook page. Um, You can uh, DM me on Twitter or you can hit the fast brackets at outlook.com email and let me know. We are all in this together. It will not get easier anytime soon, and we're going to have to get better. All right, let's bring it back in and take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 38. As we cross the stripe, there it is. Look up, there's the wind light and the sweet, sweet sound of Gloria. Let me tell you this, guys, girls. um, This coronavirus has reminded me that we really need to celebrate each and every win. I mean, every single time you get a win, you need to celebrate it because tomorrow is promised to no one. Our life is promised to no one. I mean, we lost Joe Diffie. Joe Diffie, man. We lost Joe Diffie to this. Anyway, um, all right. Thanks to all our guests for coming on. Um, Alan Firestone, your NHRA Division Five Top Sportsman Champion, was awesome. Uh, Lawrence Fanal, your friendly neighborhood respiratory therapist, was incredible. 
do me a favor like and share the facebook and twitter pages make comments and uh help us get fast bracket nation a little street cred back i hope you enjoyed it keep the rubber side down and travel safe really good i mean not a topic we want to talk about obviously all the time but uh, man, our guests were really good so i mean you're not like tiger king entertaining you're close <laughs> you like the tigers don't you wait you know what that's that's next brother just wait for it